we are a family of three. It's myself, Bootsy, who is my 19-year-old special needs daughter, and Sandler, who is my 15-year-old special needs son. And they do not go to regular public school. They did, and then COVID hit, and then they never returned. And some people will try to correct me. I say, we do life school. And people say, you mean like homeschooling? And I say, no, I mean life school. We do life school. First of all, I'd rather chew glass than to admit I homeschool my children. And I also don't feel like a very honest person if I say I'm homeschooling because I don't teach a regular academic curriculum. We have one of the bonuses to being special needs and being in the only two people with their diagnosis is I create what I think is best for them to learn, what I think is going to be most useful. And in the regular special needs world, these kids go to, and I'm sure any and everybody who's been to the grocery store has seen this, groups of special ed kids. And when I say kids, I mean adult kids who are supervised by a teacher or sort of a program advisor who who is making sure that the kids all kind of get in and out of the grocery store and they're learning the procedure of maybe self-checkout or buying groceries. And so I thought I'd implement that, not only because I think it's a great way for kids to learn that part of life, the grocery store is a huge part of an everyday uh, event, but I also run out of money a couple times a month and always go through that process of, oh God, is my card going to work? Is it, I just mentioned this in, in last week's episode, the, the love month episode that I'd gone to buy Valentine's candy and my card had been declined. And I don't like that feeling. I, it always reminds me, and I said this in the last episode, that terms of endearment moment where you have to start putting stuff back. I do not like it. I don't know anybody who does. I've kind of let go a little bit of the embarrassment, but my kids do not get embarrassed. They don't even know that anybody would be or why would you be embarrassed if your card doesn't work. just means you have to leave your groceries there. So when we get to that point a couple times a month, I send them in to do the grocery shopping. I'll give them a little list and I think that that's a great way for them to read and you know go, go through the process of grocery shopping and then they'll check out. And sometimes they make it out with the stuff and sometimes it gets left behind. I'm Nikki Lynn Chase and this is my podcast, Adult Chicken. And it's about navigating life's unexpected. These are my stories. This is my journey about being a single mom to two special needs kids. One of the main focuses with life school is learning a little bit about money. Now, I probably am the worst teacher of anything that has to do with finances because I'm horrible and always have been with finances. I'm terrible with money. I like money a lot. I, I would not be sad if I made a whole bunch of money. <laughs> they say money doesn't buy happiness, but it certainly helps pay for things that make life less stressful. And that I think makes somebody a little bit happier. I think some of my most happiest times in my entire life have been when I've been the brokest. Um, which has been pretty consistent in the last, how old is Bootsy? The last 19 years. But I try to get my kids to understand a little bit about money and they have no concept. We try to learn different things that are important in life. One day we were going to learn, I was going to teach them how to pump gas because we'd had one experience where Bootsy had tried and gas had just gone everywhere. It had gone in the car. It had gone all over her hands and you name it, it smelled like gas for about a week. And so we had put the kibosh on that, but I, I was feeling very patient. 
and this wasn't but a couple weeks ago, I was feeling very patient. And we were going to learn a lot at the gas station that particular day. And then lo and behold, out of the corner of my eye, I see the city bus drop off a bunch of kids. And because it clearly was a group of special needs kids, my eyes just went directly over there. And they happened to be on a field trip and they were going to the DMV. And I knew each and every one of those kids from that class. <laughs> And I had to laugh because I thought, that's not a fun field trip. Like, who wants to go to the DMV? I will avoid the DMV at all costs. So as we left the gas station, both kids, I think, had, uh, there was an element of relief, I think, that we were doing our own life school and that their field trip did not consist of taking the city bus to the DMV, which I know that they think is a pretty unfun miserable place because they've been there with me before they've also both had ID identification cards made so I think they were really excited and Sandler always does this thing well they're typically always happy and he always does this thing he gets very excited about cars when we're in the car when we're in our life school short bus the Honda uh, Sandler gets very excited about cars and he's not impressed by our Honda he doesn't like it at all and he Bootsy thinks it's the greatest car ever and she'll remind him when he talks bad about our car that that was the kind of car we were in when we were in our car accident that saved our lives and this particular day they were just both I think relieved that they were not in the program that they saw all their friends in at the gas station so we're in the car and Sandler gets so excited when he sees fancy cars real car guy and he'll always ask me the the more typical one because we see a lot of them are Ferraris and Lamborghinis and he'll always say mommy if you had a choice would you have a Lamborghini or a Ferrari and I'll sit there and start stressing out kind of and think logically which one would I want which one I wouldn't want either one of them but which one if I had the choice would I take and I'm thinking first of all you don't have the choice and you're probably never going to have that choice and then I and I can't choose I can't tell him which one I'd rather have because I honestly don't want either of them I want a sprinter van one that holds the the podcast the skate gear the uh, the everything that we could take on tour across the country that's what I want I don't want a Lamborghini or a Ferrari and then Bootsy will inevitably belt out that she wants a Honda she'd choose a Honda it's never the choice because he doesn't include that in the in the choices but this exact car ride we're on our way to a skate park and we're also going to make a delivery to our homeless friend Matt I've got some expired Girl Scout cookies and we're not giving them to homeless Matt because they're expired we've been eating them the problem is I need to get them out of my house I don't know if they're kind of discolored because they're expired or if it's because they're in the freezer it's thin mints of course I can't stop eating them. And I know my buddy, Homeless Matt, loves sweets and coffee. So I had told him when I bought him a coffee the other day, I was going to bring him some cookies. So anyway, we had a mission and the kids were thrilled about their mission. And then as we're on our way, we see a Rolls Royce. And then there's, of course, like a Tesla. I think it was a Tesla right in front of it. And, and Sandler says, Mommy, if you had a choice, would you take that car? He doesn't remember what it's called, but he knows it's a nice car, the Rolls Royce, or a Tesla. And I said, oh, I would take the Rolls Royce, hands down. I would. It was a beautiful brand spanking new SUV Rolls Royce. And I said, I take the Rolls Royce SUV, hands down, like without a doubt, no question. I would take that car. I didn't have to think about it. Like logically, it even made sense. Like that's the right size. That's the car I want. I would absolutely take that. Maybe a different color, but I like that Rolls Royce. 
And then Bootsy once again, as she does every time, chimes in, I'd rather have a Honda. And it was the greatest thing ever. It was not only endearing, but it was awesome. Because I thought, you know what? They're not affected by money. They don't care. They actually have no idea. Sandler is aware. He has a, an awareness of what's a nice car and a keen sense of a cool car. But he is totally unaware of what things cost. They're unaware of what everything costs. Bootsy loves a Honda. She just She's perfectly happy with a practical car. And then we pulled up. We end up at the stoplight next to this Rolls Royce. And it's this stereotypical looking Orange County person. She looks like she could be fresh off the set of Real Housewives of Orange County. I mean, just oodles and oodles and mass amounts of filler throughout her face and this beautiful car. And I thought to myself, here I've got Bootsy right next to me, who's perfectly happy with a Honda. There's no body image, anything. There's no even awareness of the fact that people alter their looks or pay money, a lot of money to change things about their their body. There's no body image problems. There is no awareness of being embarrassed if, say, we don't have enough money at the grocery store. I thought, oh my God, I love our life. Like, I love that that is how she perceives life to be. She's not tainted at all. But then I looked at this woman and I thought, I know she's probably not as happy as Bootsy because obviously she's a lot more aware of what things cost. Uh, I mean, and she certainly has a lot of money and, and money has certainly bought her a very, very nice and expensive car, and it's bought her a serious amount of, of filler for her face. <laughs> There's no question about that. But I wondered if money had bought her happiness. And then immediately after the light changed, we were on our way to deliver these expired Girl Scout cookies to our friend Homeless Matt. And when he got his cookies and his coffee, he lit up like a Christmas tree. Now, I know I happen to know Matt has some mental situations going on. I don't know his whole story. I know a lot of his story from what he has told me. But I just wondered. He has nothing, or, or certainly not a lot. He has what people give him. And yet the smile that Matt had on his face was, was ginormous. He was at least happy at that moment. And in a sense, money not very much money, had bought him a, a little bit of happiness. And it really had me thinking about my whole perception of money and how money has been such a big deal to everybody that I have ever been in a relationship with or related to. And I happened to think immediately about my mom, who was the most greedy, money-hungry, jealous, warped human when it came to money that I had ever known, except for my kid's father, aka my ex. And I thought about it. And I thought about how money had divided her relationship with every single person she was ever in a relationship with. It had ruined her relationship with her mother, her own mother, her her brother, who he was a shady stockbroker broker guy. He was the one that was having us. I, I did an episode called Uncle about him where he we were taking his money down to the, the Cayman Islands. We were his money mules at the time uh, from what I understand. And 
there was all this weird stuff with money. It was every fight I remember between my parents had something to do with finances or lack thereof. And then I remember every friendship she ever had dissolved because of money. Then it turned into because she was a drunk. But everything had to do with money. And I remember when I had gone to school and she had put my brother through school. He had had a partial scholarship for tennis and had done everything that she had wanted him to do. He was the golden child. He had done everything right. I'd done everything I wasn't supposed to. And then I was told, if you want to go to school, you'll pay for it and you'll figure out a way to go. I'm not doing, you didn't do anything academically correct in high school and good luck. And there was always that setting me up for failure. Like I said, she had me babysitting when I turned 12, telling me that was the legal age I could afford or I could babysit, therefore afford to pay for anything and everything I needed that wasn't essential. So fortunately, she instilled a great work ethic in me. And then I had the drive because I was told I couldn't go to college. I had that drive of, I will show you I can go to college. And I went my first semester to a junior college in San Diego. And I immediately got about two or three jobs. I remember one, my first job at junior college was I was reading uh, books into a recorder for the special needs students at the, the college. And then I wanted to return to Colorado and go to CU Boulder. I didn't have the, uh, the right academics to get into there. So I worked really hard. I went to Port Lewis and Durango for a semester, uh, got my grades up, and then I went to a junior college to get the rest of the credentials I needed to get into CU Boulder. And I busted my ass and I got in there. And the great thing was back then, it's a lot less expensive to go to an in-state school. And of course, I was a resident of Colorado. And I still worked hard because I was told that since I didn't do it according to her plan, essentially she just didn't want to pay for me to go to school, that I would have to figure it out. And I did. I got a job on the campus. I got a job babysitting for about a dozen different families. I worked two to three jobs. And then at the end of my being in college, I took care of my dad's mom and she lived with me in college. And that's how I afforded my rent. I paid for all of my own books. I worked several jobs and took care of my granny. And that's how I made it through college. When I got to New York City, after I had been out of school for a couple of years and had worked in uh, the mountains for a while, and then I'd moved to New York City, I started receiving bills from Sally May. Sally May is the financial aid providers of college tuition. And I started getting these pretty hefty bill. I mean, for me, they were hefty. Anything that was more than $5 was a hefty bill (laughs) to receive. But I start getting Sally Mae bills in the mail in New York City. And I called my mom and I said, there's something really wrong here. I'm receiving Sally Mae bills. I never got financial aid because I paid for all of my own shit. I paid for my tuition. It wasn't I mean, it was a lot because I was a kid, but I was working three jobs in tuition. I think it was, I think it was only like $1,200. I don't know if that was for a semester or for a year. It was very minimal compared to my brother went to a private college in, in San Diego with a partial scholarship and it was still thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a semester. Mine was not that much money and I know I paid for it, 
again, I was never good at math and I certainly didn't go to college for finances. But I'm like, why am I getting bills? I know I paid for my books. I know for a fact I paid for my books because I thought the entire time I was in college that was a complete waste of money because I never opened a textbook. I took very good notes. I did well in college, but I never read a textbook because I didn't retain any information. And she said, yeah, you got financial aid. Um, I filled out the financial aid forms for you and you didn't graduate in four years, so you owe the money back. Because it was my mother, I thought, okay, that makes sense. And it took me a few years and I'm embarrassed to say that. I'm really embarrassed to say that, to be honest with you. But all of a sudden I started thinking about it and I thought, wait a minute, I never took out any loans. I, it doesn't matter if you didn't graduate in four years. That has nothing, that doesn't even make any sense. Like common sense. You don't even have to be good at math or finances to understand that literally made zero sense. My mom the entire time had taken out financial aid. She had taken out loans in my name while I was at school at CU Boulder. And, and my mom pocketed all of that money and at the time, I did care about my credit, and I did pay off my Sally Mae student loans, but I never saw one dime of that money, and that was kind of where I was like, wow, my own mother literally ripped me off. And one would think I would have learned my lesson shortly after I found out my mom had taken student loans out in my name for four years that I paid back. <laughs> One would think maybe that would be something, you know, like a ringer would go off in my brain of maybe don't trust people, even if you're related to them or you're in a relationship with them. But nope, I ended up in a relationship with somebody exactly like my mother, probably even worse, where envies everybody with money and money is everything. The the perception of people perceiving him as somebody with money was everything to him, the image of having money. And he didn't grow up with money and he never had any money. And then I end up with a career job and I am absolutely the breadwinner. Before I even had a career job, I was the breadwinner because I work two to three jobs constantly. And then when we had kids when we had Bootsy first we purchased a house in Denver which kind of made us sound like we had a lot of money it was a piece of shit it was the biggest piece of shit you ever did see and it needed a lot of work and then I ended up with a career job up in Vail Colorado so we had to rent a place and relocate to Vail but we were going to be fixing up this house in Denver needless to say it was a very expensive lifestyle to try to afford. And so a lot of times I would work two jobs. And he eventually ended up with a job that he never seemed to have to go to. <laughs> God, sometimes I hear myself tell these stories and it's just scary how fucking stupid I was. But his job did supply the insurance. We needed the health insurance. And of course, then along came Sandler. And I'm working this job and Sandler's so sick. The, the account constantly was drained. There was never any money. And I knew I was working hard and I knew I was making a lot of money. Like we should have had money, even though it was expensive to pay a mortgage and also pay rent uh, in the, the expensive town of Vail, Colorado. But I just never had money. And I was okay with that just because, I don't know, I was on autopilot. I was in survival mode. I just wanted everybody to be healthy and okay. And I just never questioned where the hell all of the money went. I think 
the feeling of control. Everything was feeling way out of his control. And he had always, from the day I met him, had tried to control me with money and had done a lot of controlling me with money. I didn't care enough about money to ever really question it or want to fight about it. I just didn't care. Yeah, there were major stressful situations that had to do with finances, but I wouldn't win and I knew that. And I didn't, if I was going to be with him, I was going to need to just accept that he was going to do whatever he wanted with my money, our money. And it had gotten so bad. And I think it was just the feeling of everything with the kids was so out of our control. Sandler was so, so sick. Bootsy has all these laundry list of special needs and everything's going on. And I think he was just completely losing it and feeling the loss of control. And so he was really tightening up on controlling the money. And I think there was a fear that I was going to flee. And I remember it had gotten so bad that for probably the last almost year or two of being there, was right after Sandler was born. I loved my McDonald's and I loved my my wine and my Bud Light. Those were th- those were my my treats. I didn't need anything else other than my kids and and those those few things. And he'd make it so I couldn't afford to go to McDonald's for two years. The last two years I lived in Vail. I carried around, I would collect change, and I had my change Ziploc bags hidden of exact amounts. I made really good friends with the manager at the McDonald's, and I made really good friends with the manager at the liquor store, and I knew exactly how much my bottle of wine would cost in my Bud Light, and I knew exactly how much my breakfast or lunch, whatever I was going to treat myself to, cost at McDonald's. And for two years, I carried around a little Ziploc bag of change for those things. I was the one with the career job. I still was working. <laughs> I was the breadwinner. Yet I had no money except for the change that I was collecting around the house. That's how my life was towards the end with my very sick child. And my mom and ex were very similar in enjoying watching Nikki struggle. That was so much fun for both of them. And when they could control me with the money, when they would take money away from me, you know, the means to pay for literally essentials. (laughs) I think it was, God, let's see what, how can she, almost like a game, like what, what will she come up with? Or, you know, watching a, a show, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the fun was in watching me struggle without a dime to my name. And of course, once I had kids, I was obviously a lot less tolerant. And there came a time, and this was during the carrying my Ziploc bags of change around to purchase my McDonald's, my wine, and my beer. <laughs> and there was no shame. I didn't care. I, I always looked at it. I remember my grandma always had a saying, with change, it's still money. And I would tell myself that over and over again as I'm counting quarters or dimes <laughs> at the liquor store. <laughs> For my wine, I needed my one little calm me down, and that was it. And when it got to the point there was a, towards the tail end of my being in Colorado before the, the mass exit, I, 
my lease was up. I had been driving a Passat wagon and it was great. It was very safe. I felt very comfortable in it. It was good in the, uh, in the mountains. It was good on the passes. It was good in the snow. And I was going down to Denver consistently, constantly to Children's Hospital with both kids. And the lease was up and I had to get rid of my car. I start kind of panicking because I'm thinking I guarantee my credit is shot. I, I knew all kinds of shady shit had been happening with the bank account. He had put most of the blame on medical bills and the medical uh, people just taking it out of my account. But my account just kept constantly being drained and there was never any money. And there were legitimate expenses. We had the piece of shit house in Denver. There was a mortgage on that. We had the rent, a house in, in Vail. And there were legitimate expenses. And again, I never paid attention. At this point, I didn't care. I just wanted my kids to be okay. I wanted them to be I wanted them to live. I wanted them to be healthy. And lo and behold, the lease is up. I have no way of getting a car. I come home one day from Denver and the ex has purchased himself about a $65,000 or leased whatever fully loaded pickup truck. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you doing getting a pickup truck? Like those aren't even good in the snow. Why did you do that to the children. Why did you do that to me? We needed a safe go to Denver, take them to the hospital car. I know you don't go to Denver. You don't go to the hospital with me ever, but that's what a normal, good, logical, kind human would want for their family. But no, he got that so he could haul snowmobiles that I'm sure he purchased with my money. And I was like, holy shit. But that same summer, my mom had surfaced, ironically enough, who I had not had a relationship with. And she had, I have no idea how or why she accumulated this Buick LeSabre. And I swear, I think it was like a late 80s model, might have been early 90s model Buick LeSabre. It was hands down the ugliest car you've ever seen. It was like a powder puke blue color interior and everything and it was that front seat that was just like one long lazy boy couch type system and she had picked it up I don't know if she'd met some sort of drifter along the, the way or where it came from but she showed up in Colorado with this Buick LeSabre and she said well you can have this and I think she needed to get rid of it to be quite honest it was not worth registering by any means. There was an oil leak. It didn't run well, but I'll be damned. The ex said, well, that will work fine for you, Nikki. And he got the biggest kick out of it. He thought it was hysterical. He thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. He thought that was the most mortifying, humiliating. He didn't even want it parked in the driveway. And I was like, well, what else am I supposed to drive? So there I was driving this ugly ass Buick LeSabre from 1990 <laughs> all around Vail, Colorado and down to Denver. Finally, the oil leak got so bad. I think it only lasted me about a month or two. And then I don't even remember what I did, but that was one of the fortunate things that actually happened when we relocated to Washington and we left everything behind. It wasn't really a, a car to leave behind. And it was just the thought of them watching me struggle. Like, ooh, how is she going to figure out how to manage two kids without a car? And it was so gross to me. And I think that was, that was the point where I thought, he's got all the money. 
I mean, he, my money went somewhere and it had to have gone in his pocket. It certainly went, a, a good chunk of it went into that pickup truck. He had two snowmobiles to attach to it. He didn't have the money to buy all that shit. I had to have been buying that stuff, un, unaware of that um, and trusting somebody with my money. But I thought of his life. I thought of my mother's life. And I thought, oh my God, money never made them happy. No matter how much they had, it never made them happy by any means. In, in fact, I think the more that they had or the more they accumulated as far as money, the more they stole from people, the less happy they were. And then when we got to Washington and I had nothing and the, the many years that have preceded that <laughs> and I've had nothing have been my happiest years that I have ever lived. And the fact that I've got two kids that are unaware of, because I haven't made money the topic of conversation. I, they're, they're definitely the first ones to tell people, oh, our mommy's broke. We can't do that because our mommy has no money. And I don't get embarrassed because it's it's true. I mean, most times when they say that, there's a reason and it's absolutely true. I don't hide the fact that we don't have a lot of money. That's not something I, I hide. There's no They're not embarrassed. I wouldn't do it if it was something that was going to embarrass them. But we've gotten ourselves to a place where I appreciate everything. And I just love that there's no shame. I, for, for years, I can't even tell you how many years I, I still will do it once in a while. When I go to my coffee shop, I'll count out my change. I'll put it in a Ziploc bag and I have no problem paying for stuff in change. If that's where I'm at during that time of the month, that's how we'll pay for things. I'll listen to grandma Helen and what she said to me. And she said, change is still money. I thought of that a lot. Remember there was that change shortage, like around COVID time. Like Grandma Helen, she knew she knew where change was at. There was a time with the kids, and it just made me laugh, and it made me very, very just grateful that there is no shame in not having enough money. And that was we I taken them up to. We were going to do something. It was either a Halloween deal or a Christmas deal, but we'd gone up to Calabasas and a very swanky part of um, L.A. area. And we were in this neighborhood and they were dying. They wanted something at Subway. And I had like $12. And I knew that wouldn't buy both of them what they wanted at Subway. So I said, here's the deal. It was like 12 or $14 I had in cash and I gave them the money. And I said, you're gonna have to agree on a sandwich, which I knew they wouldn't be able to do because they don't agree on sub sandwiches. And they, they went in to Subway and I said don't you can't get a meal like you can't get everything you want to get you can't get a whole meal you can't get all the treats the cookie the drink the chips whatever you just have to get a sandwich and then you have to be done because that's about all this is going to buy you so they go in and it's taking forever and I start getting a little nervous you know I can see them and they they each have their phone and so I called just to make sure that they're okay yeah we're okay and and they come out and they each have a full meal. They each have a, a 12 inch sub. They have chips. They each have a drink and they each have a cookie. And I'm like, what the hell? How did you do that? You had 12 or $14. How did you both come out with a meal? And they said that there was somebody in there that was behind them and they had ordered what they had ordered and they didn't have enough money. And the guy in Bootsy said, he knew we had special needs. So he just said he would pay for it's like oh my god and then I thought how did he know and because I forget 
it's more obvious to people. This is my everyday. My everyday is the special needs land. I don't I don't see it like everybody else does. But they also wear neon hearing aids, which is probably a little bit of an indicator or a sign to people that there's some special needs going on here. And then I asked Sandler for a bite of his sandwich, but I was still kind of wondering how that whole exchange, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see how that whole exchange had gone on. And then I was curious a little bit about how, how Bootsy knew the guy knew that they had special needs or whatever. I was probably watching them attempt to, to count their money when the, the bill was probably 30 bucks and they had 12. But then I taste Sandler's sandwich and he had ordered, I'll just never forget this, I taste one bite of his sandwich and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what what did you get on your sandwich? And he had ordered a salt and salami sandwich. And I thought, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. That's how that guy knew you had special needs. Who the hell would order a salt and salami sandwich? <laughs> so today's special edition, speaking of money or lack thereof, is all about this year being the year of monetizing adult chicken. I launched adult chicken almost a year ago. So I launched it April 22nd of 2022. And I can't believe almost a year has gone by. It's crazy. I told myself during the new year that this was the year. 2023 was the year to monetize this adventure. And truth be told, I've done a little bit of research. I've also worked with somebody who understands finances much better than I do. And we had our strategizing meeting. And I realized I'm going to have to do something I don't like to do. <laughs> that is promote myself, which is a very awkward feeling for me. I'm not good at self-promoting. Usually when I, what I'm sort of self-promoting is just myself and stories about myself, my shit talking essentially about my life. But that is what I am going to do. Next step is uh, to get donations. There is the option if you, you or anybody you know has money burning a hole in their pocket to donate. If you visit my website www.adultchicken.com there is a donation link where you can donate via PayPal and what those donations would go to would just be equipment expenses, um, upgrading equipment expenses, as well as I am going to introduce some merchandise. And that brings me to the next way to monetize adult chicken, and that is to get sponsors. I am not at a place with adult chicken yet where I am able to get a lot of sponsors because my following is not in the thousands. It's still in the low hundreds. <laughs> So first and foremost, the job to get done here is to get more subscribers. So once again, I will constantly always remind you, beg you, and plead to you to please share. Please subscribe. Please go on however you like to watch or listen to Adult Chicken, whether it's YouTube or Apple or Spotify podcast, and subscribe, 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 and please share with your friends if you think anybody would get anything out of Adult Chicken, even if it's just that it will make them feel good about their lives. Please share and please get everybody you know, possibly know, to subscribe. Also, as far as sponsors go and going back to the merchandise, I have my first sponsor. And my first sponsor is a company called Seagal. And the owner of Seagal, Allison, is going to be making my hats for me. And so I will be, any of you who have watched 
adult chicken on YouTube or know me in real life know that I wear a hat every single day of my life. And so it was very important to get some adult chicken hats made as my first piece of merchandise. So I will be wearing adult chicken hats and eventually those will be up for sale. If you do donate over $100, you will also receive a adult chicken hat in the mail. It will be a trucker hat like the style I wear every single day all day long. So please tune in next week. It's going to be an episode that was inspired by Sandler's suggestion or criteria of what he sees me with as far as a man in my future. And what he said in last week's episode was that he'd like to see me with a man who has a, oh, I'm sorry, a younger man with a pool and a zip line. It was interesting because yesterday we were getting so much rain and I ended up just watching a couple of movies and one I unintentionally watched having no idea what it was about I intentionally watched it having no idea what it was about and it was about three disabled adult men who go to a brothel in Canada and I'm not gonna lie it made me cross a bridge of my future I haven't done except for maybe a couple of times like the time Sandler asked me if he could have $500 to go to the club and I can only imagine what kind of club he was speaking of. But I thought it would be an interesting time to discuss navigating my future with my adult son. Please like, follow, share, subscribe. Please share, please subscribe, please follow. I got to get those to monetize this thing. I've got to get all those numbers way up. And you can find me on adultchicken.com, also YouTube, Adult Chicken, as well as Apple and Spotify podcast, Adult Chicken, and Instagram, adult underscore chicken. <laughs>